These verses that we've read together bring before us the sunset of life, especially in the life of the character brought to attention in these verses. And that's what I want to spend some time talking about this morning, the sunset of life. In this 25th chapter of the book of Genesis, we really come to the last chapter in Abraham's life. And what a chapter it is. This final account in Genesis of Abraham's life covers his last 35 years. And the story moves swiftly over these years. There are no reports of any special revelations of God to him or any particular trials that they had to face during this particular time. So here in the verses before us, we have reached the end of the story of Abraham in the Bible. And one of these days, the last chapter will be completed in the story of your life. And then you will fly away into eternity, into one of two places heaven or hell. It's worthwhile just keeping that in your mind as the message is preached today. And as you can see, the death of Abraham is briefly described in these few verses. More chapters are taken up with his life than with his death. And really, when we have the opportunity to live for God, we should use that opportunity well. And then when it comes to the time of our death, to welcome that death as a trusting soul, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Although it is brief, it's very instructive. The story of God's redemptive plan is an unfolding and continuing story through men like Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and to Joseph and so on. Each had a contribution to make in the divine purpose, a role to fulfill, a legacy to leave. So Abraham's work is over. And now God begins to work and witness through Isaac, his son. It's a great thing to start well. It's an even better thing to finish well. This is what Abraham did. He finished well along with people like the Apostle Paul, he finished the course well. So in these verses that we have read together, Abraham has come to the sunset of his life. And I just want you to notice a few simple things about the text before us. And I want to use verse 8 as my text. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good, good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. The first thing I want you to notice is this, very simple. Abraham's departure. Abraham gave up the ghost and died. And one of these days, that will happen to you. One of these days, it will happen to me. I know this because the Bible has declared it as appointed unto man once to die. But after death, there is the judgment. Don't forget that part. 
In other words, what the text is saying here, that he breathed his last, or he expired. This emphasizes that the last breath of life had gone. How many people since we have gathered in the house of God this morning have expired? They have breathed their last on earth. And they are somewhere in eternity just now. Families are weeping. Spouses are sorrowful. Children are mourning. A valley of tears will be shed. Today, tomorrow, and no doubt in the days to come. Death is never far away from our thoughts. I was away preaching last week. Back... One of the first things I had to do was attend the funeral. I've heard very sad news about a child in Billy Money, two years of age, suddenly cut off. We've heard about someone in Port Rush as a result of an accident cut off in eternity. So death is never far away from our thoughts. And the truth of the matter is this, your day is coming. My day is coming. And when that happens, death is the separation of the body from the soul. In Old Testament times, those who died out of Christ went to a place called Sheol. That's the equivalent of the Greek word Hades in the New Testament. A place of suffering, torment. A temporary place because a day will come when they will be called forth from that to appear before God to receive the final sentence, cast away into Gehenna, the lake of fire, there shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. A long lost eternity. And Gehenna, and the lake of fire, the place where there's no mercy, no light, no hope, no salvation, place of torment forever and ever. Heaven is where the saints of God go. We've been singing about that glorious place already this morning. We can't even begin to describe the beauty of that place. But it is where the Father dwells and the Holy Spirit dwells. And Christ the Savior who died on Calvary's cross. Who was buried and raised again. And ascended to God's right hand. That's the place where they all dwell together. With all the redeemed of God from every age. So when the house is dissolved, the tenant moves out. When our body dissolves, the tenant moves out. That's the soul. The body returns to the dust. The soul goes out into eternity to await the judgment. We're told that he died in a good old age as God had promised. Genesis 15, verse 15, God made the promise to Abraham And Abraham believed the promise of God. You can believe what God says in his word. You can depend upon that word. And this is what God promised Abraham. Thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. One author said, the Hebrew says that he was satisfied with days. That is, the number of days allotted to him satisfied him. So that when he came to die, he was ready to go. Are you ready to go? Simeon in the Gospel of Luke was an old man who had been waiting for the coming of Christ. 
And the time came when Mary and Joseph presented the baby in the temple to Simeon and he took Christ the baby up in his arms and then he said, I am now ready to depart for I have seen thy salvation. He had embraced Christ, you see, in a literal sense, but in a spiritual sense he had embraced Christ as a saviour and he departed to be with Christ in due course. Is it well with your soul? Abraham had been blessed and he died contented. John Calvin said he died with a good conscience and a serene and tranquil mind. He was satisfied with the life he lived and therefore was ready to move on when death came. Are you living a life that glorifies God? Have you got that serenity that Abraham had, that tranquil peace of mind? Are you trusting alone in Christ to save your soul? Let's be clear about this. You're depending solely, entirely on the work of Christ. You're not depending on good works that you have accomplished and adding that to the work of Christ or church going or anything else. That's folly. That's foolishness. You need to depend solely and totally on Christ and Christ alone to save your soul. He was not taken by surprise when the death angel visited his camp. He was ready to go. Someone has written a little verse. The world is a great thief. It robs men not only of their youth and health, it robs them of peace and joy and innocence and everything else. I read a little poem during the course of the week as I studied for this message. It's entitled The Clock of Life. The clock of life is wound but once and no man has the power to tell tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. To lose one's wealth is sad indeed. To lose one's health is more. To lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can restore. There are three things And I'm sure you're familiar with these three things lost in Luke chapter 15. The lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. They were all found. And thank God for what the parables tell about salvation and grace. But you move on to the next chapter, Luke 16, and there's something lost in this chapter. And it was never rescued. It was never found. A rich man died and he went to hell and he's still there. He was lost. Are you lost and found by grace? Or are you just lost in your sin? I'm not condemning, I'm not judging. I love your soul for Christ's sake. I'm telling you the truth. And every gospel preacher who tells you the truth ought to be a friend of yours. Warning you to flee from judgment and wrath to come. The burial of Abraham was conducted by Isaac and Ishmael. They had been at loggerheads for a long time. But you can see that the death of the father reunited these two brothers. And there's a gospel application there as well. We can only be reconciled to God the Father through the work of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. No other way. Christ alone is the way. And the emphasis is placed on the burial site. He was buried in a piece of land he had purchased. He was a pilgrim on earth, you see. 
looking for a celestial city. All through his pilgrimage, he was looking for what lay beyond life, a celestial city. He was content to dwell in a tent, to worship around an altar, because he knew the God of heaven was with him and had prepared something better for him. We learn from verse 7 that he died when he was 175 years of age. And then the last 35 years of his life, his family grew considerably compared to the first 140 years. During that time, he had only two sons, Ishmael, when Abraham was 86, and Isaac, when Abraham was 100. Now, a few years after the death of Sarah, his beloved wife, in Genesis 23, he married again, chapter 25, verse 1, and he had more children. And since he died at 175, he lived in the land of Canaan as a pilgrim for exactly 100 years. 100 years walking with God. He was 75 in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, when he really began to walk with God. He saw his son reach the age of 75. And his two grandsons, Jacob and Esau, who reached 15 years of age. He, he met them. He knew them. These two boys were born to Isaac when Isaac was 60 years of age. So what I'm saying is this. Abraham was fruitful right up to the end. And verses 2 through 4 show that he had six more sons, seven grandsons and three grandsons. And just as God gave Abraham physical fruit, he can do the same with men spiritually. You may think to yourself, I'm far too old to do anything for God. Who said that? Moses began when he was 80 years of age. And he did a great work during the next 40 years. Don't you think for one minute you're too old to attend a prayer meeting. Or to stand in open air to help somebody who may can testify and preach. Even being there as a ministry. You can pass out a gospel tract. You can invite someone to come to the meeting tonight. Doesn't matter what age you are. You're working for God. Abraham worked for God and was fruitful right to the very end. That's a good testimony to have. Living for God to the very end. Yes, he had his faults. He made his mistakes. But by and large, Abraham was a faithful man. And we all are in the same boat, in a sense. We all have our faults and our failures. But let us say truthfully before God, by the grace of God, I'll be as faithful as I possibly can. Regardless of a person's particular belief system, the fact remains that death is the end of life, or at least life as we know it. Death and dying and the afterlife are all shrouded in deep mystery and generally surrounded by fear and apprehension. I'm reminded of something I heard during the week. We we're talking about death, and this man said, I'm not afraid to die. He said, That's the flitting. It's the flitting part that concerns me. That is moving out the flitting part. That's the part. And I'm sure, child of God, you are of the same mind that you know where you're going when death comes. But we do not know exactly when or where it will happen. And the flipping part, the moving out part, sometimes can be difficult enough. And then listen to it. Once that difficult part is over, absolute peace, perfect peace, 
at home with God forever in glory. What a hope. What a message of salvation. Passageway purchased by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. All that was required on my part to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The very idea of death strikes a fear into many people's hearts. Human beings are totally powerless to prevent or overcome death. Our mightiest effort to defend ourselves from the grave ultimately ends in failure. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Where will you be when you die? So we thought about Abraham's departure. We want to think about Abraham's destination. We're told here that he gathered, that he was gathered to his people, verse 8. Now this is the first occurrence of this little phrase in the Bible. So you're saying to me, preacher, what does it really mean? Well, it could hardly refer to the family sepulchre purchased in Genesis chapter 23, where only Sarah was buried at that particular time. It's not referring to the bodily remains in the family tomb. We've got to be clear about that. What happened to his body is mentioned in the following verses, verses 9 and 10. He was buried by his two sons. Okay. The meaning is that he continued to exist as a person with the rest of his ancestors. For there is an existence beyond death. Abraham was not buried. Only his body was buried. So the expression points to the continued existence of the dead. It's referring to the destiny of the spirit, not the body. It refers to life after death and not a statement about funeral arrangements. We've got to be clear about that. Death is an unnatural state for it means existing without a body. So when Abraham died, he was reunited with those who had gone on before, before he was buried by his sons in the key of Machpelah. So the minute he closed his eyes, his spirit departed, his soul departed to be with those who walked by faith before him. And then the time came and burials usually took place very soon after death. He was laid in the grave in the cave. So when he died, he was gathered to his people, then buried in the cave of Machpelah. And in verse 7, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life. <clears throat> A life, after all, is made up of days. Now, Abraham lived some 63,000 days. And 36,000 of those days had been lived as a believer. Now, are you living your life as a believer? Or are you still in your sin? Is all your life bracketed in as being lived as an unbeliever? Or have you been living as a believer through faith in Jesus Christ? Walking with God is living one day at a time. Really. That's what it is. 
He had outlived Sarah by about 40 years or so. And for a hundred years he had been a stranger and a pilgrim on earth, seeking a heavenly country. Now his desires were fulfilled. After all the troubles and persecutions and trials and troubles of that long time of walking with God, now he arrives at the end. He's come to the end of the journey. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. The promise was, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. That's the promise of God. Peace beyond the river of death. You do not die of peace if you have not lived in peace with God. Balaam, who was a false prophet, he said, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like him. Numbers 23, verse 10. But if you want to die like the righteous, you must live like the righteous. That was something Balaam failed to do. And he died in shame by being slain by the Israelites when they defeated the Midianites by the command of God. The wages of sin is death. Let us think in today. The wages of sin is death. You have spiritual death, physical death, and then eternal death. All men are dead in trespasses and in sin. They're spiritually dead. The time comes when we will die physically. And unless you repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ, you'll die eternally. Lost forever. When Puritan John Owen lay in his deathbed, he called his secretary to write down his last words in his name. He's going to send a note to a friend. This is what he said. I'm still in the land of the living. Stop, said Owen. Change that and say, I am yet in the land of the dying. What he hopes soon to be in the land of the living. A dying man asked his Christian doctor to tell him something about the place to which he was going. The doctor fumbled for a few seconds for reply, and then he heard the scratching at the door of the surgery, and immediately he had an answer to the man. Do you hear that? He said to the man, and it was the scratching of his dog scratching on the door. He said to the patient, it's my dog. I left him downstairs, but he has grown impatient and has come up and he hears my voice. He has no notion what's inside the door, but he knows that I am here. And the doctor just turned to the patient and said, isn't it the same with you? You don't know what lies beyond the door, but you know that your master is there. Amen. What a thought that is. Now, we have glimmers of heaven in the Bible but there's not really a lot of information provided. But the important thing for you and for me today is to live by faith and to know that the Master is there. And when we get there, we'll see what it's like for ourselves. First hand. The end is not yet, and the best is still to pray. Praise the Lord. We've got a glorious, wonderful Savior. The Master is there. That's the all-important thing. That's what makes heaven what it is. So we've got to come to an end got to think then in the third place Abraham's distinction now where do I find this well three times in the Bible Abraham is described as being a friend of God imagine that imagine that being said of you or me evil vile sinful souls redeemed by precious blood we can call God our friend 
And Jesus said, you're my friends if you believe. And this is a wonderful relationship to be in union with a thrice holy God who never had an existence, will never go out of existence. He made all things out of nothing by the word of his power, is in control of everything in the world. He knows what's going to happen right at the very last moment of history. And he knows he'll be with him in heaven. And those he'll not be with him, he knows everything. He knows when you will die, where you will die, how you will die. And what the minister will say at your grave. He knows all of these things. Did God not say of this man, I know him? Genesis 18 verse 19. I know him. He's my friend. Isn't that truly amazing? Now, we can have friends on earth and they let us down. I may let you down and you may let me down. You're a friend of mine, I'm a friend of yours. But that's the way it is. We don't maybe intend to let you down, but sometimes that happens. But here's a thought. Our friend will never disappoint us. He will never let us down. And when we get home to glory, we will be totally amazed at the provision he has made for us and the joy that he has in store for us when we go sweeping through the gates of the new Jerusalem washed in the blood of the Lamb. Think of the words of Jesus to the false prophets. I never knew you. Listen to it. Will you hear these words? When you stand before God, he may just point the finger at you and say, I never knew you. Oh, you're the fellow, you're the, the, the girl who sat in Korean Free Presbyterian Church. You heard a preacher talk about death and the need to prepare. I, I know you. You're not my child. Depart from me, you curse it. And God, in strict justice, will do that. And he's every right to do that. He's not unjust. He's not unfair. He's the maker of all things. And he can do as he so pleases. And he always does it justly. I never knew you. Depart from me. Abraham believed in the Lord according to Genesis. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. First time we meet Abraham is called Abram. And then God changed that name. I think it is in Genesis 17. He added in the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. To give the name Abraham father of a great multitude. He did so by adding the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet and five in the Bible as a number of grace. That's how God justified Abraham, through grace, by faith. Jesus said in John eight fifty six, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. The word rejoiced means he leaped for joy. Oh, when he heard the glad tidings of a home in heaven, he leaped for joy. Something to leap for joy about when you hear about heaven. And especially when you know you're going to heaven. You leap for joy. Abraham died believing and looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promise which he saw from a distance. Through the circumstances surrounding the birth, the sacrifice and resurrection of his beloved son Isaac who is a type of Christ. He saw it by faith and by type. The offering of Isaac on the altar and receiving him back in figure from the dead. Uh, he received a marvelous foreshadowing of the Savior's death and resurrection. He looked forward to the death and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We look back, of course, 
And Jesus implied that Abraham was still alive and waiting for that glorious day of resurrection. God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. It was great to see this man stepping out boldly at 75. Oh, at 75 years of age, he left the town or the city where he lived, given over to the worship of the moon god, because he received a word from God. 75 years of age. Can you imagine what his neighbor said and his friend said? But as he left, he says, I'm going to walk with God. You can continue on with your gods if you so desire and worship the moon. I'm going to worship the God who made the moon and the sun and the stars. To see him cutting family ties and pulling up the roots in Mesopotamia, starting out as a pilgrim. And to see him a hundred years later, going on as strong for God as ever. He commenced the journey, he continued the journey, and he completed the journey. And at his entrance into glory, it was a wonderful thing. The God of glory, can you imagine this? The God of glory just saying, Abraham, welcome to my house. Welcome to my house and your home forever. That was some day when the saints go marching in. Hallelujah. What a day that will be when we all go marching into glory. Someday the silver cord will break and I no more as now shall sing but oh the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. What a view what a day that will be. And all of our trials and troubles will be forgotten about forever at home with the Lord. We know very little about heaven, as I said earlier, but a theologian described it in this way. It's an unknown region with a well-known inhabitant. And that is true. Here in this world, he bids us come. In the next world, he bids us welcome. And today he's saying come. For all things are ready. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Trust in him today. By repenting of your sins. And by believing the gospel. Cast away everything you think will get you to heaven. And believe on Jesus Christ. The one that God has revealed in scripture. As the only way. He's the way, the truth and the life. Receive him by faith. He's saying come. And then if you do come, the time will eventually come and he will say, welcome home. When John Wesley, the father of the Methodist movement, came to die, this is what he said. The best of all is God is with us. Farewell. Farewell. His brother John Charles said, I shall be satisfied with thy likeness. Satisfied, satisfied. A day is coming when you will be gathered to your people. If God's people were your people in life, then you will be with them after death and glory. If the Christian family was not your people, you will be in the crowd going to hell. That's a, a fearful thought. This is true. Listen to it. Don't let the devil... Uh, lull you to sleep and say this doesn't concern me it concerns you and deep down in your heart you know it's true you don't want to be bothered with it 
You'd rather just leave it on the, at the side for some uh, future consideration. Now is the accepted time, God says. Following a campaign speech, a young man rushed up to a senator in the United States and he said, Senator, I wouldn't vote for you if you were St. Peter. Senator viewed the person who made the comment and he replied, Son, if I were St. Peter, you couldn't vote for me because you wouldn't be in my district. Peter's in heaven, of course. Judas, one who professed to be a disciple of the Lord, he's in hell. There it is. Two men that we know of in the Bible. Their stories are found in the Bible. The book is true. One went to heaven. Yes, he had faults and failures. The other was lost in hell. What will it be? Where will you be? What will you do now with Jesus that is called Christ? Abraham's departure. He gave up the ghost and died. His destination, he was gathered to his people. And his distinction, friend of God. Question is, Concerning you, I want to make it pointed, loving, and gracious. Friend or foe, be careful what you say. Be careful what your answer is. Friend or foe, let's pray. Father, we thank thee for thy presence. Thank thee for thy help, for thy mercy, thy grace extended to us once again. For the opportunity of graciously proclaiming the message of salvation from a heart that has been touched by the Spirit of God to preach it. To warn of wrath to come, to warn men to flee from that wrath and to embrace Jesus Christ for salvation, whom to know is life eternal. So, Protect these words, protect these things by the precious blood. Don't let the evil one come and steal away the good seed. But may that seed be protected. Now may the blessing of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest and abide upon all God's believing people, now and forevermore. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I now go to the door, but if anyone desires to have a word with me or any of the elders, you can make yourself known to them in the hallway. God bless you.